Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. So once you write this down, we'll, we'll find our flow this evening. I want you to write down perspective is everything. Would you say that as you write it tonight? Perspective is everything. Thank you, Lord. Those with an eternal perspective have the power to change this present world. Those that have an eternal perspective, they have the power to change this present world. It's been said that your perspective is everything, and I truly, truly believe this with all of my heart. Your perspective is everything. In fact, the Lord knew this. The Lord knew that your perspective was everything, and that's why he truly wanted to teach us how to see and perceive and have a spirit of understanding. He wanted us to see accurately. Can you say amen? He wanted us to see accurately. He didn't want us to be blinded and sidetracked by the delusions and the snares of this world. He didn't want you to be spun out over storms in your life and things that were going to freak you out. And whatever season of life you found yourself in, he wanted you to see things accurately. He did not want you insecure. He wanted you fastened to him. A house built on the rock when the storms, come on, are you with me tonight? When the storms and the rains are bursting in, that you are firmly fixed in God, and your house stands, and though the rains beat down on the house, though the floodwaters rise up, you're fixed on the rock. You have a heavenly perspective. This is what the Lord is doing in all of our lives, all of us. And no one's exempt from the process and the training. Paul writes these amazing words. What an awesome apostle. Isn't it going to be fun in eternity to hang out with Paul and thank him? And thank him how he was with you all of your life and how the Spirit of God revealed Christ through him to us. It's going to be a blast. I'm in the Passion Translation tonight. And I'm in Colossians 3 and verse 1. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. You can say amen anytime in this church. Christ's resurrection is your, I saw that. Somebody said, I'll drink to that. I see those coffees. I see those coffees. I saw that. Christ's resurrection, <laughs> Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. And that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, authority, uh, excuse me, honor and authority. Here we go, verse 2. Yes, feast, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life, and now your life is hidden away in God, with God in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really will be also will be revealed. For you are now one with him, 
in His glory. Wow. Verse 2 in the New King James Version, it says this. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Everybody say, set your mind. Now, we are charged that we are to renew our mind by the washing of the Word. I submit to you tonight that God does not do the job of renewing your mind. He has given you the charge to renew your mind with the washing of your Word. If the Word just sits and it's never opened and it's never applied, if it's never soaked in, if your life is not yielded and surrendered to and saturated with the Word, you're going to have massive challenge in this life. But if you renew your mind, that, that's a command from the Lord. Renew your mind with the washing of the Word. Then you will be able to set your mind on heavenly realities. You will not be, you will not be tossed like a wave to and fro in virtual reality because we have to be people that are seers and prophetic by nature because we are like God. We have been made like God. You have that seen nature. You have that prophetic nature on the inside of you. You have been given eagle goggles to see another reality and another dimension. And while people are, you know, fumbling and spinning out on carnal things, you're bold and brave and solid. You're solid. The Lord wants you anchored. He wants you anchored in Him. He did not create you to be weak and spun out. He created you to be powerful in the Spirit of God, and you are powerful. I'm reminding some of you tonight, you are powerful in Christ because Christ is in you. (laughs) Perspective is everything. I've heard this phrase many times in my life, and I'm going to tell you what, I really agree with it, and I really subscribe to it. Your perspective is everything, and that's why here at Victory, we labor long. We, we try to create a culture and a climate of heavenly realities and heavenly perspectives because the heavenly perspective is the New Testament life. What, it, what do I mean to be heavenly-minded? Let me give you some very practical teeth to this or building blocks to this to be heavenly minded. What, what does it mean to be heavenly minded? It means that you have a life that is made up of the values, the behavior, the ethics, the love, the honor, the integrity, the purity, the honesty, the servanthood life that is manifested in the values of what is going on in heaven. Jesus said to pray this way, that we would literally live in such a manner that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. And so for us to do that, our minds have to be anchored in the heavenlies. They cannot be anchored down here in the natural carnal realm because you're not natural carnal people. You are a new creation. You are a new man. You are a new woman. 
You are a daughter. You are a son. And your mind has to be anchored in a heavenly dimension to win. And God wants you to win on every sphere. He wants you to win. He wants you to win in your relationships, your family, your finances, your dream, this region. He wants us to win. Come on. If I'm heavenly minded, I can be an ambassador then. If I'm heavenly minded, I can properly represent Jesus. If I'm heavenly minded, I can then properly represent Jesus. And this is a big deal. This is our high calling of this hour. And and let me go a step further and make sure I make this very clear. That if we're going to represent Jesus, we have to honor this and yield our lives to this. And not make any excuses to get away from this. If we get away from this... We will misrepresent God so very poorly to a world who desperately needs Him. Are you with me tonight? Just say it tonight. Your perspective is everything. My perspective is everything. The truth is, is we live in a messed up world, don't we? We live in a messed up world. We live in a sin-cursed and fallen world. And the truth is, is that sometimes every single one of us hurt. We go through a lot of different things in our lives and we, we experience hurt in our lives. When, when, when Sandra was calling that out tonight, I really, I just totally embraced that for us corporately that the Lord would be able to deal with the hopelessness, is what she called out, hopelessness and disappointments. That we can turn those over. Can you get me a a fresh water, Jerry? Right there. Um, That we can turn those hopelessness and disappointments over to the Lord. No one's exempt in this room from getting hurt. You will get hurt again. This is not a bad prophecy I'm giving over your life. (laughs) Y'all okay? Breathe. (laughs) What do you mean? I'm going to get hurt again. I'm building up every walls and insulating my life so good that I'm not going to get hurt again. What are you talking about? Let me know how that works out for you. But in reality, is what happens in life is we get hurt, but we end up having to plod along and keep plowing through disappointments. And now, hear that right tonight. Well, I, man, Brian, I thought we were anchored in heavenly places. Stay with me tonight. You are going to have to learn to move in life even when you are hurting, when you are disappointed, when things did not turn out the way that you thought, that you anticipated, that you dreamed. I remember growing up loving Walter Payton with the Chicago Bears. I was, I was raised in Illinois. And you know what? There's a story about Walter Payton that he literally cracked two ribs in a game and he begged the coaches, tape me up and send me back in. That's a man's man. That's a warrior. That's a warrior. And I remember years ago, a friend of mine, Tommy Tenney and I, just around the uh, the year 99 or 2000, I remembered him speaking into my life. 
deep things into my life and into my spirit. And he said, Brian, you're young in ministry, and make sure you understand you are going to have to move through life and ministry, sometimes plain hurt. You're going to have areas of brokenness. You're going to have to move strong and persevere and overcome even when you're hurt. I'm preaching to you tonight. I'm preaching to me tonight. I'm preaching to all of us tonight. Are you with me? You have to persevere. And the truth is, is that life never slows down. Everybody is looking to us. Your kids need you. People need you. People rely on you. Your job has demands upon you. You have to keep going. You have to keep going. How will you be able to keep going? By setting your mind on things above. It's true. How will the people of Redding, California and Shasta be able to keep going by setting their mind not on the temporary, but on the eternal? Because those that have an eternal mindset and a perspective of the eternal, they are the ones who have the power and the ability to change the present world. Now, I want you to go to Romans 8 tonight. This is very important. Romans 8, and I'll be in and out of the uh, Passion uh, passion Translation and the New King James most of the night. Romans chapter 8. Recently, my wife and I, we watched a brand new movie. It's called Paul the Apostle of Christ. It's with Jim Caviezel, the the guy who played uh, uh, played Jesus in The Passion that was directed by Mel Gibson years ago. I highly, highly, highly recommend this film. It's called Paul the Apostle of Christ. You know, if there was anyone who learned how to live with hurt and suffered so much persecution, it was Paul. And if there was anyone that we know beyond Jesus, beyond the cross, who was living with an eternal perspective, it was the Apostle Paul. I truly believe, and and so many theologians wrestle over this continually, about Paul's thorn in the flesh. Have you ever heard people argue over Paul's thorn in the flesh? People try to say that, you know, Paul was Paul Paul dealt with blindness. It was his eyesight that was thorn his thorn in the flesh. Now I gotta tell you, humbly, I do not personally believe that. Anybody that's been stoned three times is gonna have a problem with their eyes. Are you with me? Anybody that's been stoned, literally in Lustra, he was left for dead. They were going to leave his body to rot outside of Lustra because they, they thought he was dead. Anybody that's been stoned is going to have difficulty with their eyes. I believe that the thorn that was in Paul's flesh was the remembrance of the Christians that he killed. And he had to learn to live with the hurt and the pain of how he broke the Lord's heart. And God gave him a grace that was so sufficient that caused him to overcome and become a man that he never dreamed he could become. Now in Romans 8, are you there? 
He writes so many things, and this chapter is absolutely epic, and all of us love this chapter. And chief among all of the blessings in this chapter, Paul says that we have a blessing of total forgiveness of our sins through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? We have a total forgiveness package that Christ has given us. And Paul continues writing, he he addresses the fact that Christians will actually suffer persecution for their faith. Now, I know, listen, this is not talked about very much in the American church because, again, we're still, we're still eating lots of popcorn and peanuts and cotton candy over the pulpit in America. But God has to wean the church off of entertainment and the fluff, and we have to get back to what an apostolic gospel really is. And if Paul was here, he would look you right in the eye as a good, loving father, and he would tell you, I have to tell you the good truth. I have to tell you the bad truth. I have to tell you the ugly truth. You will go through persecution. You will suffer hard times. But I'm getting to the good news. So he addresses this. He says all all Christians will suffer. And then there's a wider application to the teaching. He says it includes all kinds of difficulties and and hurts that people are going to face in the world. And Jesus actually said about this, he said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have many persecutions or tribulations. But then Jesus goes on, he says, but be of good cheer for what? For I have overcome the world. And then Jesus in John 16, he goes on and he says, the reason I've told you all of this is so that you can have peace in this world. Now, don't miss that. Jesus said that. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have trials. You're going to have persecution. But know this, I've overcome the world. You, we've got to remember who we're following. And you, too, are an overcomer. So right in the middle of this epic chapter, Paul makes a striking statement. You ready? He makes a striking statement. And it reminds me and it reminds us tonight of the power of perspective, and it's in verse 18. I've been praying and declaring this actually, this scripture and this word over my friend Bill Johnson and his family in Bethel these last two to three days. He says, I consider the suffering of this present time. They're not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I'm I'm jumping, I'm jumping passion translation now. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled in us. Come on. Imagine that. Whatever a Christian faces, however great the loss, however deep the hurt, however deep the pain, nothing can compare to the glory that shall be revealed. See, the earth 
if I'm jumping to, I'm staying out of the macro, the micro for, of your life for just a minute and jumping into the macro. The earth is about ready to go through the, the greatest birth pain the earth has ever known. The earth has been hemorrhaging and hemorrhaging and hemorrhaging in these last days. And when I was in Israel last year, we see what, what we're all accustomed to is we stand in rooms and we look at ceilings and lights when we worship or we close our eyes. When I was in Jerusalem, I didn't want to close my eyes when I was worshiping because I was standing there looking over the Mount of Olives, looking at the Temple Mount where Jesus will rule and reign forever and ever on this earth. And I'm telling you, we are going through an epic time and a transition of persecution and suffering that will come upon this earth, but you will overcome. You will overcome. I remember looking there at the Temple Mount thinking about Jesus seated upon his throne, ruling and reigning and making all things new. Wow. I didn't want to close my eyes. I want to read it over you again. I consider that the sufferings of this present time, they're not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. The earth is, the earth is racing to a time that the Bible calls the closing of the time of the Gentiles. And then God begins to move within Israel to restore and redeem and marry her back. We're in an epic transitional time. That the earth is about ready to go into. But I say, (laughs) do not consider the sufferings of this present age that they're even worthy to be compared to that glory that shall be revealed. However painful, however difficult the days are ahead of us, every Christian believer, every Christian believer one day will receive his or her full measure of inheritance. Think of the beauty and the splendor of that right there. One day, one day we will actually cross that threshold, and as we see him, we shall be like him. And we'll be in eternity in that realm of glory, in that realm of glory forever and ever. I was on the phone the other day with a young guy that we're working with and discipling here in the church. We were on the phone together, and he said he he deals with post-traumatic stress because of war. And I was going down I-75, and he said, Brian, I just can't see the other side of it. And when I, when I hit this level, I can't, I can't see the other side, and I spin out. It feels like I'll never come through the other side. And as I'm driving, I see this massive storm. I'm getting ready to come through. And I said, just stay with me here. I said, can you hear me okay? I'm driving down 75. He said, yeah, I can hear you. I said, have you ever been driving down the highway? He didn't know what I was doing. I said, have you ever been driving down the highway only to notice you're about to just go through where it's thick and gray and cloudy and stormy and thundering and lightning? Have you ever done that? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. I said, stay with me. 
And once you, once you come out of that sunshine and you come right in and that comes up against you and suddenly your windshield wipers are on high, right? And you're slowing down. You're padding your space between cars and you're, you're looking. Is everybody slowing down? Does everybody get it, right? You're making sure everybody's not still flying 80. You know, you're like, Jesus, take the wheel, you know. So you're watching, and you don't, you don't know when it's going to break. And I said, you get in that patch where there's turbulence. You get in that patch, but you have to remember you're going to come through and break on through. Oh, Lord, I walked right into that. You're going to break on through to the other side. Thank you, Jim Morrison. It just preaches right now. And I told him, I said, you're going to break through to the other side. You may be in turbulence and suffering, but you've got to hold on to the Lord and keep an eternal perspective, a heavenly perspective. You've got to set your mind and anchor your heart and your mind in heavenly places so that you can pass through when the shaking is strong. We've all done it. You will come out the other side. You've done it so many times in your life. You've all lived long enough to understand this. You will come out the other side. And when it doesn't feel like it, you just don't let go of the wheel and know who has a hold of you. That was a good word. (laughs) 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to jump into the New King James. We're talking tonight about having an eternal perspective. Your perspective is everything. Am I helping anybody tonight? I hope I'm helping you. This is what what I want to do. I want to help us all. This is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 17, he says, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Wow, what a perspective. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. For the things which are temporary... But the things which, excuse me, I just missed that. The things which are seen, they are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. See, if we keep an eternal perspective, then the weights of what is temporary, they will be able to fall off of us. They are passing away. When I'm going through turbulence, if If any time we're going through turbulence, my wife and I look at each other and we say, we hang on to God and this too shall come to pass. We hang on to God and this too shall come to pass. I remember there was a season years ago in my life, I remember hearing the Lord and he said, son, you hang on to me with all that you are and do not look away from my face because the shaking will be so intense. If you look away from me, I'll lose you. We have to remember. We have to remember. 
that these things that are in the natural carnal realm, they are temporary. They are temporary. What did Jesus say in Mark chapter 8, verse 36? Some of you know this. He says, what will it actually profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? Those with an eternal perspective have the power to change the present world. Jesus said, it doesn't matter if you're able to gain the whole world. If you lose what is eternal, you have to have an eternal perspective. I want to encourage tonight some overcomers. See, I have to remind you of this tonight. And it's worth reminding the storms And the battles that you are waging in throughout your life, they are not going to waste. The storms and the battles that you're going through, the spiritual battles, the relational battles, the financial battles, all of these things, they're not going to waste. I remind you tonight, God is building you and I. He is building us. And what he patiently sculpts and fashions and puts together, it will stand. The house that is built on the rock shall stand. The Lord is building us. He's building you. And he's patiently, as a good father, sculpting, crafting you on the potter's wheel redesigning you when stuff goes awry. He's able to pour more water on you, more water of the Word, pour more water, and then rework and rework and re-sculpt and re... See, we often think of just the plans of God. You know, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans that are prosperous, you know, plans of hope to give you a blessed future. We need to think of the plans of God that God literally has, He has thousands of plans to move you into your divine purpose. It's not just one plan. He has thousands, multitudes of plans to move you into your divine purpose. And if we don't see it like that, we're going to think everything in our life is pass or fail. We're going to think that the will of God and the path of God is, am I going to get an A or am I going to get an F minus? It's not that way. God has a bazillion different plans to move you and shift you into your divine purpose. The way that that's easiest to happen is if you set your mind on things above. Because you'll be able to, God can move you and moonwalk you and slide you and readjust you and you come out the other side all slick. (laughs) I just had this image come into my mind. I remember years, years ago, oh gosh, it was probably 20 years ago, uh, we were at a meeting and T.D. Jakes was preaching and he says, you know, you know that favor thing, that favor thing, that favor thing. You know that you know that you know how Jake's does that. Hey, hey, hey! That favor thing, that favor thing, that favor thing. He said you can get, you can drop a guy off in his underwear in the middle of the desert, and 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 like two years later you come back and he's just he's got a fresh suit on, he's got a new tie, his his shoes are shine, and he's got new keys going around his hand, and he's just whistling Dixie. How does that happen? It's a great picture, isn't it? Out of your undies and into a suit. (laughs) 
It's favor. It's the favor of God. How do you shift? How do you how does God retool you? How does God redesign the landscape and all? It's how we set our mind. Remember Romans 8 says the the mind that is set on the spirit it yields life and peace. <laughs> that was good, Aaron. <laughs> Timely. It's good. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. This is still the Apostle Paul writing. We can't miss this tonight. You know, part of what is part of what is happening and everything that actually happens here every week that we, we meet, we're getting a greater vision of who our Father is. We're getting an expanded version of who our Abba and our Dad is, and that literally nothing's impossible. But we're also getting an upgrade in understanding who we are in Him. And we're understanding that our sonship and being daughters of the King, and, and actually the access that we have, that... The Lord, the Lord is causing many of you to actually see yourself way different than you've ever known before. When, when I was young, I'm 45, but when I was young, <laughs> I say when I was young, some of you, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I saw your eyebrows. When I, when I was young, all I wanted to do, all I wanted to do was be a rock and roll drummer. That's all I wanted. I wanted to write songs. I wanted to get in a room with guys that knew how to write music, and they could shred. And I wanted to write songs that everybody would know, and everybody would play, and everybody would sing. And I had a vision for my life that I would be a guy behind a drum set, you know, under a lot of lights and just playing mega songs to mega crowds. That was the vision that I had for my life. But God had a much different vision. I, I never dreamed, I never dreamed about really being a leader. It's this true. I never saw myself as a leader. When I was young, I never saw myself as a leader. I never dreamt about shepherding people, I, I, leading people, writing books, pioneering churches, being a prophetic voice, doing whatever. I, I wasn't dreaming about that. But when God called me, I had to begin to learn or relearn to see myself differently. That started at 13 when I got called. I'm 45, and I'm still learning how to see myself differently. I'm still learning how to see myself properly, and so are you. And the Holy Spirit wants to help you so that your heart and your, your divine imagination is anchored in heavenly places so that you can move and redesign earth as it is in heaven. So that you have access to do things that you literally, you thought doors were closed to you. But you'll be able to do it. I'm glad three of you received that tonight. I spent some time on that. Okay. Come on. I know I said this last week. Abraham walked around saying, my name is Abraham. And he didn't have, he, he was the son of nothing at that point. But God said, 
you're Abraham. You're not just Abram. You're Abraham. You have to call yourself this. And when he would say, hi, my name is Abraham, they would say, where's your family? Where's your heirs? Where's your kids? Because Abraham means father of many, father of nations, father of nations. It's what Jerry was trying to do dig into tonight of God enlarging our capacity and our vision to see. That when I look out here, I'm not just preaching who's in this room. I'm not just preaching to that. I'm preaching to the very atmosphere and the heavenly realms of this region. Okay. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul writes this. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power that is from God, and it's not from us. (laughs) There you go. Here he he steps it up. Ready? He says, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. This is what I've been declaring over Bethel. This is what I've been declaring over Reading. This is what I've been declaring over Bill and Benny for two days. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we are not abandoned. Struck down, but we are not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. So we are alive, are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then... Death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Now, let me explain what he means. He says, so death is at life in us. Who's he talking about? Us. You put it in context. He's talking about the apostles. He says the apostles are going through death, but actually when death is happening to us, life is coming to you. That's what he's saying. Let's keep reading. You all right? It is written, verse 13, I believe, therefore, I have spoken I believe, therefore, I have spoken, since we have that same spirit of faith. We also believe, and therefore we speak, because we know the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And I'm not done there. Verse 16, you ready? And therefore, we don't lose heart. You hearing this? Therefore, we don't lose heart. See, now, I, b- before I read the rest, I wonder tonight if, if we were in the throes of a crisis like Shasta County, if Sarasota County was in that level of crisis, if that level of turbulence and crisis, what the pulpits would actually be preaching. 
Because right now the church that is winning in this region, I better be careful. We got to get back. We got to get back, folks, to a real. My gosh, I got so I got notes that are having notes that are having my notes are having babies up here. We got to get back to this. We've got to get back to this. That's how we're going to be robust and mature and strong for the day of shaking, the day of adversity. Again, most people are going to church to be inspired and entertained. God is wanting to build us to be a powerhouse company that when we're going through the turbulence and the shaking, we know what to do. We know what to do because we know who we are. And we know where our life is. We know that we are anchored in heavenly places. And though everything is being shaken, we are able to stand in the day of adversity. Therefore, we do not lose heart. My God, I hear the, the Apostle Paul thundering this. I don't hear him saying this just casually. Or passively, he said, we don't lose heart. I know, this, I know I'm intense tonight, but I'm going to tell you something. This is how I pray over people I love. This is how I'm praying over Bill and Benny. Don't you lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary trouble are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since that which is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. I'm just about done. I just need maybe five more minutes, okay? Really. I really do mean that. Five more, just five more. I'm going to read you something out of this book. This book's called Unstoppable and Unquenchable Fire. I pulled it out of my library. <laughs> I'm going to read you something here. <laughs> Paul's perspective. The Apostle Paul's perspective is much different from most followers of Christ. When he writes about the persecution and the afflictions which came against him in Antioch and Iconium and Lustra, he audaciously declares this, and out of them all the Lord has delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now listen to those words again. Out of them all, he has delivered me. Now, do you remember what happened to Paul in these cities? In these cities, he was imprisoned. He was stoned. He was beaten by raging mobs with rods. He was threatened. He was endangered by false brethren. 
When he was stoned in lustre, it was so brutal, they supposed that he was dead, and they left his body to rot. Yet Paul said, out of them all, all persecutions, the Lord delivered him. What a perspective. What a perspective. He was crushed, but he wasn't destroyed. Again, Paul says, the Lord delivered me out of them all. Thankfully, Paul was not some weak, anemic Christian who could not recognize victory in the very face of affliction. Sadly, many believers today are quick to question the authenticity of God's will because they encounter minor difficulties or challenges. We must remember that we too must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. You were born to overcome. You were born to overcome. Amen. I'm going to close with these verses tonight, and then I'm, I'm going to do a little something different. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. I think all of us need to go out and get a tattoo of this. I'm just kidding. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 37, this is in the Amplified. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through Him who loved us so much and died for us. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, Father, I thank You for these moments and the privilege to open the Word and to be instructed and to be taught and to be challenged and to be stretched and to be encouraged. And there is so much growth. There is so much spiritual growth, soulish growth that is happening, Lord, amongst us. And I thank you for every bit of it, and I give you the glory. And, Lord, I thank you tonight that you have been breaking our bread and you have been feeding us, Lord. And I thank you for the revelation, God, that you are putting into our spirit. I thank you for spiritual maturity that is arising in this body. Hallelujah. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of knowledge. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of understanding. The spirit of might. The spirit of the fear of the Lord. Lord, tonight, I pray for all of us, me and Brent included. Lord, help us to be the people who anchor our hearts and minds in the heavenly realm. May you set your mind on things above, my friends, my brother, my sister. Set your heart and mind on things above. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I bless your spirit tonight just to receive and continue to drink in this word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's give praise to God for the word, for the word. God is good. Oh, he's so good. God is so good. God is so good. Look this way for just a moment. We're going we're gonna to do something a little different tonight. My wife and I, we made a pledge to each other. We've been married 23 years. We made a pledge to each other many years ago. We said, whatever the enemy ever tries to do in our life, we will never, ever allow it to change who we know our Father is. Whatever you face, whatever you and Angela face, whatever turbulence, never let it change who you know His character and nature to be. He is good. He's good. And Brent and I will just take each other's hands. We'll remind each other, He's good. He's good. When it's hard, He's good. When it's hard, He's faithful. When it's hard, He's true. He's faithful and true. It's His name. It's His name. He's faithful and true. It's His name. He's faithful and true. You're going to make it. You already have. <laughs> you already have. I'm going to say that again. You already have. Bill's been on my mind all night. I remember sitting in Los Angeles just a couple years ago with Bill. And I was really trying to make a decision. And Bill said to me, he said, hey, Brian. He said, bro, you're already in the will of God. Because I was really wrestling with the will of God. He said, you know how I know you're in the will of God? Because you're sitting here and your heart is still on fire and you're burning. Here you are, all the way out here in Los Angeles. And here we are. I don't have to question if you're in the will of God. He said, just pick what you want to do. If you've heard Bill, you'll, you know he says this. If you want to be married, then get married. If you want to be single, stay single. If you want to live in Seattle, my God, then go move there. If you want to live in Sarasota, stay here. You just pick. Being in the will of God is simple. Let your heart burn in you. Stay in His will. Stay surrendered to God. Even in the mysteries of stuff you don't understand, that God can just redirect you and move you and sculpt you and bend you and keep you flexible. Amen? You're going to make it. You already have made it. <laughs> You'll make it all the way through. Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.